today on It's Time. But we're not justified by our works. We're justified in what Jesus did for us. I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. It breaks my heart when I see people out trying to earn what God has given them. And it's true. They come to your doors. They seem to be nice. They seem to be spiritual. They seem to have all this stuff. But when you compare what they're saying to the Word of God, you can categorically say they're wacky. They say, well, why is that important? Get on the Internet. Look, the 23rd of September, the end of the world. Page after page after page after page of the false prophets spewing out their stuff. It didn't rattle us. Why? Because I know that that's not till the middle of the tribulation. But if you don't know your Bible, ah, what am I going to do? Oh, I got to get married immediately. I got to do this. I got to do that. Why? Because they don't know the Bible. The Bible tells you everything you need to know about life and godliness. And so, as we look at this, whatever these people were of somewhat makes no difference to me. God doesn't have any favoritism. But on the contrary, verse 7, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised or the Gentiles had been committed to me, And the gospel for the circumcised, or the Jews, was committed to Peter. For he works effectively in Peter, the apostleship of the circumcised, as well as effectively in me towards the Gentiles. So he's saying whether it's Peter or whether it's it's me, God works effectively in us. He's got his respective ministry to the Jews. I have my respective ministry to the Gentiles. And by the way, that's a miracle in itself. Peter, a man's man. You know, the the ready, shoot, aim kind of guy. (laughs) Kind of gets it backwards. Uh, Jesus sends him to the Jews. And here's Paul, the Ivy League Jewish boy, schooled by Gamaliel, son of a Pharisee. Everything about Phariseeism, Judaism, that was in the Apostle Paul. God sends him to the Gentiles. So don't be surprised if God takes your talents, and yes, it's nice that we have them, and he doesn't use them. Why? Because God wants us to rely on him for what we do for him. That's really important. Otherwise, I can just rely on my, my, my wisdom and my knowledge. God puts us in uncomfortable places, so we'll trust him. So this morning, if you're listening to this, and you're in a tough place in your life right now, that's because God wants you to rely on him. If I start relying on my things I've learned in the past 
And I'm not saying we don't learn, and I think that's good. But when it comes to daily being guided by the Spirit, we need to be real careful that we don't all of a sudden start saying, God, I don't even need to pray about this. Been there, done that, got the shirt, I'm going to put it on. I know how to handle this problem. God says, no, you don't. Every problem is different. That's the way God works that way. Well, he goes on. It says, Peter's got his ministry, I've got mine. And when James... Cephas and John, who, this is very unusual here, who seemed to be pillars. Uh, I don't know if you like to underline things in your Bible, but the word seemed here to me is a very unusual word to appear here. Perceived that grace had been given to me, they gave me Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they too And they too did the circumcised, so to both. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which was also eager to do. We find this all the way through the Bible. Peter or Paul was always concerned about the church in Jerusalem. It was a poor church. They were highly persecuted. And so the poor most likely is referring to the, the Jerusalem church. Now this is where the Bible gets really unusual. In fact, a lot of people just wishes this wasn't in there because it talks about an argument that happens, okay? We don't usually think about the Bible. We want everything, everything just grooves and blends together. Well, this is, this is some weird stuff here we're going to read. But when Peter had come to Antioch, now Antioch was Paul's home church. Paul ministered all over the place, but this was kind of his base of operations was the church at Antioch. And so it says, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Actually, the word blamed in the Greek is the word he he needed to be condemned. Peter, the apostle of Jesus, Paul is rebuking him. Now, this is interesting. This is, is a real, there's a lot of different things here. We could spend a long time on it, but There was a flaw in Peter's personality. And the flaw in Peter's personality was he always cared what everybody thought about him rather than what was right. We remember that Peter said, Lord, I'm I'm willing to go to the cross and die with you. Jesus looked at him and says, before the cock crows twice, you'll have denied you know me three times. One, one of the Gospels says once, another one of the Gospels says twice. Significant on the, on the two-time take of it is that you'd think by the, second, the first crowing, and then you have the second crowing, why Peter is out busy denying the Lord three times. Because they said, You're, Jesus is in the courtroom being interrogated by the Romans after his capture, after he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and Jesus is in the, the, the courtyard being interrogated. And we remember Peter is looking in over the fence and somebody come up and said, Hey, hey, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? I never knew the man. He succumbed to peer pressure. Well, here is another place that he succumbed to peer pressure. Now, friends, this is important, and and we need to get this, and here's why. Peter 
was a person that would back down. He was weak. But here's what's amazing. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, and Peter was endowed with boldness, insomuch that he didn't care what anybody else thought. He said, these people aren't drunk with wine as you think, with the fire coming out of their head, <laughs> and speaking in other tongues, and all the stuff that went on, the rushing mighty wind. He said, they're not drunk with wine as you think, but they're filled with the Spirit. Peter stood up with boldness. Amazing. This timid guy that denied and cussed and swore that he never knew who Jesus was. Now, a week, a few weeks later, he's, he's telling everybody what's going on. But now here's what's weird. He relapses even though he's spirit-filled. That tells me a couple of things. One, we need to maintenance our relationship with God. In other words, I got saved a long time ago. I don't read. I don't pray. I don't fellowship. I'm on cruise control. Well, the problem with that is that we get cold. You know, you know it's like, it's like a, a eating your dinner. And, and there's a bunch of pile of little green peas. And one little green pea rolls over to the side. Well, as long as all little green peas are together, they all stay good and warm. But the one that rolls off gets cold. Ah, don't be a green pea off to the side and get cold. Peter somehow had gotten cold. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before, certain men came from James who would not eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. So even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now, most people think when they all came together and they were, and he was eating, it says that he, uh, that, uh, he came, uh, he would not eat with the Gentiles. This was probably their agape meal. Can you imagine church and they have this big meal everybody's brought their covered dishes you know and they all bring him in and they're setting down and everything like that and here's peter one of the boys he's eating with everybody and you know and by the way in those days when you ate with somebody whatever diseases they had you probably would have and i've shared this before i've been in the jungle you get out there they're having a big potluck kind of thing Uh, here's your banana leaf and there's the line of food laying on the table. And you go, oh, I want to wash my hands. They said, man, you're in the jungle. There's no place to wash your hands. Well, can I have some tissues or something? There are no tissues out here. And you got this guy, he's got a banana leaf. This actually happened to me. I'm not making this up. Reaches into the mashed potatoes, slops them on his thing, licking his fingers off. Pretty good reaches back in. I mean, it redefines double dipping to a whole new strata. And like I've shared before, when you pray over your food there, it isn't, oh Lord, thank you for this food in Jesus. It's, oh God, help, you know. And you got to realize whatever flu bugs or whatever they have there, looking at their fingers, putting their hand back in the thing again, 
You got to realize there's no running water. So that very hand, maybe a few minutes earlier, was out in the bush doing some business. And all of a sudden you realize, you go, oh man. And then when they came and they looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? Jesus said the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. That's why when Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, he says, if any man hear my voice, I stand at the door and knock, I will come into him and sup with him, he with me. We'll have dinner together. That's what he's saying. It doesn't offend Jesus to reach into the potatoes after I've just stuck my dirty hands in the potatoes. See, that's what's good. Well, it says here, they were eating. Peter, one of the boys, hey, hallelujah, how you doing? Peter was one of the ones that, that a number of years earlier, Paul had reported to that the Gentiles were being saved. What rules should we put on them? They said all this thing. But then... While they're in the middle of their dinner, here come some friends of those from Jerusalem who sees Peter eating with the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, Peter gets up, walks over away from them, and sets down with others. Before certain men came from James, again, James was one from Jerusalem, He would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those that were of the circumcision or the law keepers. Do you see this? What's what's going on? And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now, you've got to remember, this is Peter, who the Catholic Church says was the first pope. Paul's rebuking. This creates an issue of magnitude theological discussion. But here's the problem. Carried away with their hypocrisy. He calls them hypocrites. And they were, when they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? He's saying, you can't keep the law. We've already established that, going back to the first time I visited with you, Midway Acts. If you can't keep the law, why are you compelling the Gentiles to keep the law? Now this is Peter, Jesus' disciples. Paul the Apostle is saying, you're a hypocrite. You're expecting them to do something that you yourself can't do. Why is that? Nobody is justified by the law. We are justified only in Jesus Christ. I've talked to people before and I asked them, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And they say, well, I've done the best I can. Hold it just a minute. You're telling me by the very nature of your question or the statement, that you are somehow saying, I will find myself good enough to get into heaven. But we're not justified by our works, by our goodness, by our good deeds. We're justified in what Jesus did for us. And going back to this verse 10 of chapter 3, you offend in one area of the law, you have violated it in all areas. 
Again, friends, the law was the law and the prophets, Old Testament, was never meant to justify us. It was meant to show us how desperately we need a Savior. Everyone, you, me, everyone, whether they're self-righteous, whether they're a pastor, whatever they are, we're all condemned under the law. We're all losers. We are. The good news is Jesus saves losers. See, that's the gospel. That's what it's about. I wish I didn't have to stop here because he gets into the logic in their minds. He going, look, you guys are hypocrites. You, you, you're, you're saying that you've got to keep the law, yet you can't keep the law. And yet you somehow try to justify yourself that saying, look how good I am because I do this. This is the question that I asked some people that came to my door who told me I had to worship on Saturday. I asked him a question. I said, let me ask you a question then. Do I, you, go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross or because I worship on Saturday? And this one guy, thankfully, was honest. He said, well, because Jesus died on the cross. I said, right answer. I said, well, then what is the purpose of keeping the law? I'll never forget the answer. He said, you'll be more saved. I said, really? The way I read the Bible, you're either saved or you ain't. And if you're not saved, you're still lost, dead in your trespasses and sins. Living life your way. My life is mine. I'm going to do what I want to do. Forget you, God. I'm doing my thing. Or we're born again where we say, I recognize my life is from God. There are things in my life I would have liked to have done, but God, I'm laying that all at your feet. I only want to do what you want me to do. God says, you're forgiven. That's the difference. Well, unfortunately, people don't know that. So they're out trying to earn by being, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with not doing charitable, righteous deeds. But it's the reason why. If we're doing those things to say, hey, look, look what I did, going back to what a little kid will come up. Look what I did. I'm proud of what I did. The Bible says all our righteousness is filthy rags. Why? Because we're trying to approach a totally perfect God with our imperfect works. In fact, I have found many times in my own works, in my life, the motive was wrong. I remember I, in church, I, I went to choir practice. I can't sing worth anything. But there was this really cute girl that was in the choir. I thought, I, I'd like to know her. And that's what she like. Okay, I'll try it. So I was up there being a frog, rah, rah, you know, and, and the thing. But wrong motive. I think all of us in our lives can see wrong motives that we do. Uh, to be seen of men. To feel better about ourselves. To have other people uh, applaud us and say, oh, isn't that a true humanitarian? Where the Bible simply says, as a Christian, what I do now, I do unto the Lord. You know, if anybody ever comes up, and I always try to do this on every man and answer, when someone says, oh, I'm so blessed by your program, I go, thank God. 
I don't go, oh, thank you, thank you. I am so cool. Run from that. Because it's only good thing in us is Jesus Christ. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. We're going to have to stop here today. I don't want to, but... The thing is, is that when we understand how important it is, what you believe is how you live your life. And if you're always trying to earn something, God has given you eternal life, forgiveness of sins. You get the smiley face rather than me trying to go out and earn it. Always with the thought of, have I done enough? If I died today, would I go to heaven? Well, I've done the best I can. Well, if you haven't done enough, it's too late to do anything about it. That's why the the gospel message is so important. You don't have to earn it. It's something you receive. It's something you put on. Like in wintertime, which is like now. uh, uh, You just put your coat on. You put the righteousness of God on you today. My question is, have you done that? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for God? You say, well... What's so wrong about living for myself? Okay, good, good question. I think it deserves an answer. At the end of your life, you can say, well, I lived it my way. I think Frank Sinatra sang a song about that. The problem is, in eternity, what value will your life be? Well, I don't happen to believe in life after death. Okay, fair, fair, fair question, fair statement. My next question is this. If there's a chance, one in a hundred trillion billion, that there is life after death and there is a judgment, well, you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Because if you're wrong, eternity's a long time. The second thing is, you're always living today under the fear of the unknown. You see, when you know God's word, it brings a peace. That's why I didn't spaz out on the 23rd. Because I know the Bible. Revelation 12, halfway through the, book of, halfway through the tribulation period. The tribulation hasn't started yet. So I knew it couldn't be true. But look at the internet, how many people that don't know the Bible were carried away with that. So, this morning... Have you put on the robe of righteousness? God's offering it to you. Here, put it on. Put it on. Put it on. And we're going, nah, I'll try to earn it myself. How foolish. You spend your whole life spinning your wheels for something, and at the end of your life, you're going to go, I have nothing. Where God says, because you put on the robe of righteousness, now I'm the one inside of you generating the good works, And I'll reward you forever as if you were the one that did it. Wow. So uh, let me get this right. So if I accept Christ, God enables me, and then on judgment day rewards me as if it was me, but it was really him all along. That's a great deal. How do you lose with that? This morning, if you've never prayed, ask Christ in your life. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. And um, it's called repentance. So where you say, okay, God, I'm ceasing to earn my salvation. From now on, you clothe me with your righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life. 
I ask you to make me the very best I can be for you. And that my life will mean something in eternity. And so I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Make my purposes in life your purposes. Guide me. Direct me. Write my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you. And so now I entrust you with the rest of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. And so now, direct my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.